The subject for the evening talk is observation of the mind. This uh, particular uh, concept, observation of the mind, is one which is frequently used in the teachings and um, has its origination in the Satipatthana Sutra that, is, that means the Sutta or the talk with regard to the foundations for awareness and mindfulness and Vipassana meditation insight meditation whatever school or tradition or practice is being employed does refer back to, to varying degrees, to the interpretation and the application of this particular talk of Buddha. And the outline basically of this talk is that the Buddha says there are four primary foundations for awareness and observation. One of them is the body, another is feelings, which I'll also discuss, uh, another is mind, mental state, another is dharma, which basically is one the nature of things, including human beings' relationship to the world of sight, sounds, smells, taste, touch. So in the third, the, uh, the observation of mind is referred to, and this is um, basically what, what, it is, what is said, what the actual translation goes is, how does one um, observe the mind? Herein, one knows when the mind is greedy or not greedy, angry or not angry, deluded or confused or not confused, cramped or scattered, developed or undeveloped, concentrated or unconcentrated, free or unfree. Thus, he, d he or she dwells and sees the arising of the states of mind, observes the passing away of the states in mind, and sees that the mind is present for the purpose of insight and awareness. And thus, one who observes the mind clearly abides independently and unattached to anything. So the mindfulness or observation is established to the extent necessary in for insight and understanding in which there is the observation of the mind which has been conveniently described or divided as being 
with greed or without, with negativity or without, clear or unclear, etc. In order to abide independently and not attaching to anything. And thus the mindfulness and awareness established, is established to the extent necessary for that. Now just uh, recently, in a previous retreat, I was having a conversation with one of the uh, women on the retreat, and she said to me that she's practicing a number of years, and she made quite an important point. She said that, generally speaking, that the language of meditation, language of practice or dharma, generally uses the forms of seeing, and knowing, observing, looking at, that kind of language which is in connection, um, in physical terms, with the eyes. But she said to me that what people are beginning to discover, and this is in psychotherapy, that for many people this kind of language is a little bit more difficult kind of language, seeing, what does it mean to see something? And so others may feel more at home and comfortable with listening, listening to the state of mind. And another person may experience being more at home with being, being with the state of mind, or being in touch with the state of mind, or connecting with. So in other words, all the forms of language which we use um, all basically come down to being with, seeing, being in touch with, and in that, whatever the language, is not in any way to show or to indicate uh, some alienation or separation from in any way, but there is the presence of the mind state and there is the opportunity for a human being to be clearly aware, let us say, put in that language, clearly aware of the mind state which is arising, which stays in time and which passes out. And one is aware of its arising, aware of its appearance, aware of its passing as a factor or contribution to mindfulness, clarity, understanding. Now, in the guided meditation this afternoon, in that meditation, we basically took aspects, let us say, of ourselves, and we observed, we focused, turned our attention to those aspects. Initially, the breathing, and then from the breathing to the body, and then from the body to the mind in terms of the mental state and finally um, with regard to the feelings. And in that we may say that during the days we have seen that both in relationship to the body and relationship to breathing there is not only the fact of the observation but there's also the experience to ve in varying degrees to 
uh, with regard to reaction to what is taking place. This sometimes has been no most noticeably felt and experienced, for example, when there is a great deal of pain which is arising in the body. And we see how pain and the continuity of it keep registering in ourselves tends frequently to have a disturbing factor. And yet we have noticed, generally speaking, that as the days have, have gone by, there has been a certain settling in, sometimes to the degree that we're hardly able to recognize just how much has taken place. And in the settling in, the body and mind are coexisting more equitably, equitably together in, in such a way that the sitting has a more sustained period of time. And so you may have noticed, as uh, I have done from time to time, that some of the periods of sitting have been unusually still. One can feel almost in the atmosphere, in the general vibrational level of the meditation hall, a certain sense of stillness which is present. And, and that is, generally speaking, has been something which has developed from one day to the next as the days of this retreat have unfolded. With all of that sem settling in and the simplicity which has taken um, place within that, these reactions of mind which take place have expressed and shown themselves in different ways. And one of the important aspects of self-knowledge is being clear and thoroughly clear about some of the predominant patterns which may have been showing themselves. And so there we are in the context of the retreat looking in a reasonably unbroken way at what's happening with ourselves and we're becoming aware of how yesterday and yesteryear the patterns have their influence and affect the present. Some of these patterns have a particular kind of strain to them in which they're almost instantly recognizable. And in this recognition of them, it frequently is such that we, we recognize, perhaps with just a thought, or perhaps with just a judgment, but the recognition has no power in and of itself to correct or alter or change that influence. And so sometimes we pick up that, that one of the patterns is withdrawal. In all the forms, we find it difficult being with the present. We escape again and again into something or somewhere else. We may notice the pattern towards control, constantly coming in, even when the heart's wish isn't to be controlling breathing or body or pain or whatever, but the pattern is there. It's like a shadow out of the past influencing the present. This shadow emerging out of the past influencing the present in the East is called karma. 
It's the old which in its manifestation into the present, that influence of that in some way or other has a clearly unsettling effect on what is arising in the present. When the relationship to the past is more, uh, more understanding or more equilibrium with regard to the past, the past can be influencing the present, such as, for example, simple example, obvious one here, the use of language, which is something which one has learned and memorized and developed through, through time. One says, yes, that's coming from the past, but it doesn't necessarily it wouldn't necessarily be included in the field of karma. It's part of the development of the human being and in that it doesn't in itself disturb the present. So when there's this unsettling effect in the present and therefore some kind of reaction to it, we begin to pick it up more clearly. And we see how this unsettling factor influences feelings, perceptions, thoughts, etc., 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 etc. We notice, too, that a certain kind of shift is actually taking place when the emphasis is on observation. And so sometimes we notice how much we are involved in our body, the way the body is, how the body is, our likes, our dislikes, our acceptance, our non-acceptance, the health, the sickness of the body, etc., etc. And so we often find that a lot of our mind energy is going into the body in some way or other with all the emotions and the attachments and the identifications which accompany it. And we see too that when, when there are various forms of reaction, similarly a tightening up through circumstances and situations in the mind frequently and generally speaking tightens up the body. And so the, the, the shift which is taking place in which the observation is being emphasized is the looking at this. Now sometimes, unfortunately, anything in life can be used to reinforce patterns. Meditation, when not understood, can be used to reinforce patterns. One person has the pattern to conformity and submissiveness and obedience and so forth. And so the person fits in with the retreat, but it's a very submissive relationship to it, to it, doing everything that one is told from this sitting to the next, etc., etc., and fearing to break out of the pattern. Or another person in coming into a retreat approaches it from a very intense position and which shows a lot of determination and willpower to get something and get in and get somewhere with it. So the meditation practice becomes in fact subservient to the pattern. And so we use things to fit in with our old. 
and practice and observation and being aware and so forth, all of that helps us to be, hopefully, a little bit more clear about the present and about what we call who we are. And we see, too, that there is something rather distinctive, one might say, about the present when looked at, as we have spoken together with you over the evenings a number of times, of just seeing the present for itself as much as possible, meaning our roles in life and our birth and our financial status and our accomplishments and etc., etc., and all that we have done don't seem quite as big or as significant as we generally think them to be. And so in this connecting with the present of our bareness as a human being, it makes us more distinctly uh, able to acknowledge our relationship to the various roles and functions in life. And these come up with great frequency, and we find that frequently they shape the mind state. And so quite often it seems that the roles we have in life or would project and like to have and the actual mind state itself are clearly and distinctly wrapped up together. But with this mind state which arising, whether it's negativity or affection or greed or generosity or whatever the uh, form that it is, we also begin to see and notice that the mind state and the role and the two going together certainly can change. And therefore it's not always one is doing a certain activity in life and therefore there's always negativity which accompanies it. The, the two flow and change back and forward. But we begin to see a little bit more clearly the role, which is an image in, in life, and its manifestation in the present. And this combination of the role and its manifestation in the mind, in the present, we call personality. In our observation of the mind, that, that vast field of mental life which just has a simple label M-I-N-D, in that vast field of the mental life, there's different kinds of experience or qualities about those experiences which are taking place. These experiences which are taking place is such that in our observation and our looking at that more and more clearly, we see too, it's not just the mind set itself, it's not just the personality which is manifesting, but it's like it's the beginnings of going deeper. So what's actually presenting itself when we sit 
and we're rather forgetful of breathing as we're forgetful of the, the body, just letting that be unconditionally and that fullness of just seeing within and what the, the set of the mind is in, in that moment, we see, we begin to see and sense, let us say, sense more that this mindset which is showing itself doesn't stand alone. That it's nothing in itself. It's nothing of self. It's nothing by itself. It doesn't have a, a self-nature to it. And thus it can't be isolated from all else. Just as one might say, in this world that we are living, it would be too far to go to say, as some of these fanciful thinkers come to the conclusion, um, you create your own world. I'm not even going to talk about it, it's too ridiculous. <laughs> but what we do see, what we do see is the way that this world has become through the inter dynamic interaction has and is as such that the world that we have with its tortures and its tyranny and its injustice and its privileged and unprivileged and all of that is because of the mind. It's because of the condition of mind has, m has made and has established and brought this world with all its sorrow and confusion and injustice to be the way that it is. And thus, unless the mind changes, there will only be the perpetuation of all this which you and I see every day of our life. And we see, too, that the mind doesn't exist alone or by itself because it also requires other factors. It requires biological factors and human factors. It, re it requires the environmental factors as well. All working, elemental, giving support to the states of mind. And we see that this mind... And the states of mind, whether we say positive or negative or whatever, in our observing of it, also, whatever the intimation, or also, whatever the state of mind, certain intimations begin to come through. These intimations which begin to come through, it's as though the state of mind is... Um, the outer for something for seeing further and more deeply. And beginning to see, as it were, a little bit through the basic externalized personality structure more deeply. This capacity, you know, and of hum human beings have for what we might call almost the miracle, one might say, of awareness, of, of self-awareness, that, that life 
this extraordinary thing, which is untold miracle, that life can be aware of itself. And the expression of that, as I've mentioned so many times, gives life something. And that simple expression of that is in this awareness of the state of mind and seeing a little bit more deeply. That seeing a little bit more deeply means that not only is the present state of mind beginning to be accommodated, but also the influences of the past which come through and contribute, not create, but contribute to the condition of mind as it is. And sometimes we find in the meditations all kinds of memories and child and, and long things in the past coming through in various images and, and expressing and showing themselves. Sometimes you begin to see just spontaneously link-ups and the way that one has done things in the past and how there's a kind of pattern there, a, th a, thread, a thread there. And we just see all of that, that little bit more clearly. We see, too, that sometimes there are conflicting patterns there, like two, two streams running side by side. And in the present, the two streams, as it were, meet together. And there's some unsettledness and disturbance and wondering what to do with this, what to do with that. And all of that can be showing itself. And we see that how every major and minor role in life has its bearing in various ways on the mind, on the state of mind and the condition of mind. And so sometimes we see from the very influences of the past that some of the, which we sometimes easily forget rather sadly, that some of the past influences which have arisen and experienced have been healthy and wholesome and wondrous and valuable and insightful, and all that too can begin to show and reveal itself in what's happening in the present. And still, with all of it, and all of its diversity, and all the factors which contribute to it, we continue to be with the mind, observe the mind, listen to it, get in touch with the the deeper intimations which are occurring. That means that that energy, once again, is going off, as it were, the involvement in the mind, which generally shows itself in some form of grasping, some form of attachment. And so the experience of the mind may be very valuable and appreciated and, and delightful, blissful, pleasurable, or whatever. And in, the, and in its fading away, there is left just the impression. And the impression, because of a certain stickiness or grasping which takes place, the impression is held. And with the impression comes the movement of mind again in a different form 
in the movement of wanting to re-experience, re-have that which has come and passed. And when that movement has taken place, to have that which has come and passed, in its very character to want, creates unsatisfactoriness. Because whatever the mind experience which is coming and showing itself won't match that which one wants, that experience to have that again. And so there is almost unconsciously a comparison taking place between what I'm experiencing and what I had last week, last year, or whenever, yesterday or whatever. And so in our observation of the mind, there's the seeing of what is arising, there's the knowing and the seeing of what is passing away, in order that the mindfulness and awareness is established in which there is not grasping onto anything. This practice of not grasping onto, onto anything means that it begins to bring deeper intimations because there's a more spacious or open sense being established. And with that, what comes and passes is allowed, is given the space to come and pass. When that is there, and that space of allowing to come and to pass, the deeper feeling of life, and a very important and refined and unusually pure feelings of life, there is the possibility for that to be much more accessible to us. And so, although the degree of reaction to what's arising and the clinging or the rejecting and the struggling with, though that may diminish to some degree, and to the degree that it does, is the degree that there is peace in the mind, to that reaction which comes and the observation and non-grasping means from the inner standpoint that one is not so caught up or obsessed with personality structure. Not, not so much attached and clinging and cherishing roles in life. The very expression of non-grasping makes the inner life accessible to something else of considerably, what should we say, more profound significance than just personality. And so the seeing of not-self, the seeing of mind-state as mind-state, is not in order just to be detached and just to be less uh, identified with and less suffering. It's in order for access. In this seeing more deeply through the presentations of, of the mind, and that is inwardly and outwardly too, of course, that in seeing that, I would say, 
the most subtle aspect of the mind is the feeling factor. This feeling factor, so frequently emphasized and so necess necessary as indispensable to a fullness of humanity, fullness of the religious life, the religious mind, of spirituality, this feeling factor may have with it much association. So in other words, when there is less reaction to the mind state, it's just arising and passing, there can be for people in their practice, in your practice, quite some periods of time in which one is not reacting, there's just a mind state, but there's, there's a feeling of a gap somewhere. There's a feeling, not a feeling, sorry, a sense or a knowledge that something is missing. Something's not coming through. And one knows this again. Knowledge, mindfulness for knowledge and understanding. One knows that any use of will and desire and force in any way unsettles the mind. And thus the personality structure and, and this and that become more affirmed and hinders that deep seeing. Rather like the traditional analogy when the pond isn't full of waves and it's clear pond, we might say unpolluted, we can see more deeply. Now in this in the seeing um, more deeply which is taking place, one must make allowances for the fact that the, that the very subtle feeling, that the, the, that the flame, the soft fl flame of that feeling, may not be clear to one. And as a, as a result, sometimes there's the occupation with bodily sensations, as more a gross form of activity, or or the mind states, or, e or the sense too, in the observation that basically nothing is happening. One is just sitting, just walking, just standing, and there's no special mind state, breathing, body or whatever, nothing seems to be happening, and, s and one may have to be with that. Go be with that period, learn to be comfortable with that period, acknowledge that period, or whatever. In order that, or because there's the understanding that we can't actually get to something through force, something must begin to come through to us. In the subtlety of feeling, deeper, much deeper in one's, uh, one's being, there may well be lots of associations and memories and uh, intense feelings and emotions with that. And so in going deeper, a very common experience is that fear arises. Fear is certainly the intensification of feelings due to the past, and memories and associations, and that fear arises and it's disturbing and Frequently, it, it, it is experienced as coming from quite deep down inside of oneself. And it's like in the traditional, to go to the sacred, in the traditional language, there are these two fearful guardians. 
in a, in a traditional symbology which prevent one entering the, the sacred temple. And it's, that, it, it's something of that, in that going deep, the fear factor often is pushing one away. And it's hard because of all the resistances and the avoidances and the difficulties and the escapes that we use to be without resistance to those fears which are, can be occurring. And as we work, work with all of that, all of that, as it were, which camouflages and covers things, also becomes, begins to drop away. There's a continuity of the openness which is there. And sometimes, <coughs> too, with the feeling life, which has an energy to it, it flows through very strongly, very, sometimes very passionately and powerfully and with tremendous enthusiasm. And all of that, too, has to be acknowledged. And in all of that, in, in, and in the seeing of all of that, a more subtle kind of feeling occurs, which is noticeably not physical. It's not a bodily sensation. It's not um, a state of mind, though it's influencing it. It's a subtle, refined feeling. That subtle or refined feeling may be unpleasant. And it may be pleasant or somewhere in between, but it's, it's there. And it, and it can change. And it's ver the very change of those feelings, when the change is taking place, it changes. It, cha it affects the mental states, it affects the, the thoughts, it affects the uh, speech, the body, and the whole rhythm of one's life. This coming more deeply in touch with the way feelings there, sometimes they're ignored, and when one's life feels very dry and barren and empty, the clear indication that the contact with the depth of feeling has been lost. Sometimes feeling life is so intensified that it's constantly disturbing mind and body and and speech, and then we work more deeply again, either case, to come to the bare feeling factor or element itself. This getting in touch with the bare feeling factor or element self, like with everything else, doesn't exist by itself. It exists in the support of. It exists in relationship to. And in, the, in that bare feeling which is arise, arising, when there is the depth which accompanies it, that feeling has a, in all is being stripped away, has a warmth to it, a distinctive character. And the very warmth of that begins to permeate through the body, through the cells, through the very... Uh, Life of, life of the mind. And the marvellous thing with going, going deep um, in this way, and one of the great beauties, I would say, 
of the, the process of meditation is such that one doesn't have to work everything out. One doesn't have to dig up all of the past and sort it all out and come to an understanding about it. The very process of, of depth and seeing into things has its own transforming influence because of the mindful meditative observations concerned which affect the totality of being. And with, th with that, then there is a more organic flow. That organic flow, and it's flowing through, may, of course, because of the diversity of energies and of human existence, may express itself in different ways. One person may be regarded as a very um, calm and quiet and clear person in a particular way, Another person may be very um, outgoing and very social. Another person may be very um, uh, bright and energetic. Another person may be very still or whatever. All of these according to the totality of the person. Yet, within the, div in the diversity from calm and passionate or whatever the expression, one thing is for sure, that person is very much alive. That person is, there is a caring there, there is a concern there, there is the recognition that the feeling in life and the feeling for life is alive and well and burning very brightly in that person's life and being. That's for sure and it's with, within all who in touch with that feeling. And none of this, as I say, can be forced. When, when we try to force, we disturb the way of things and that hinders that, that deeper seeing. And so in that we, we are looking in a very full way in which we've gone from the particular breathing, one aspect, body, another aspect, the state of mind, another aspect, the, f the deeper intimation of the feeling and allowing that flame to be steady, to one which in a way embraces all. And in that embracing all, we're embracing the whole human being. And we begin to see, and in that seeing deeply, correspondingly, there's that seeing deeply into the life and hearts and minds of, of others. Not in a, a necessarily a psychic way, but in the way of understanding. And in that seeing, in that being with, in that listening to, in that understanding, in that abiding love and affection, warmth and care, compassion and generosity and that unstoppable friendship all flows out of that feeling easily, effortlessly. Because we have 
acknowledge this miracle of life, that life can be aware of itself. May all beings observe the mind. May all beings see through the personality structure. May all beings abide expansively. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.